You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. Phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. Apologies for missing a little bit of time. I uh, found out partway through recording tomorrow's podcast that I lost my grandmother. And so I contemplated just powering through, but just thought my head wasn't really going to be in it. And it would be better to just take some time off. It was really bugging me all day, though, because I had already taken off the day before. I didn't get it done in time because I was doing other people's podcasts. I promised that I would get the next episode done by today, and then uh, I wasn't going to be able to. And, and, and I, I was able to, and that's what was bothering me. But I decided I was just going to be allow myself to be selfish and uh, take some time, so that's what I did. And so I sat here and zoned out for a little bit until the football game started and then watched the Vikings and uh, carried on with uh, carrying on. And if it feels like I've used this excuse before, I have. I just thought about it today. Prior to 2020, my wife and I combined had five of our, or six of our grandparents still with us. We lost five of those six in that stretch. We both also lost an aunt in that time frame, so it's not been a great couple of years, to say the least. But anyways, just letting you know. But all right, let's get started. Make sure I got this set up. I do not. Always forget. There we go. First caller is going to be 1265 fan. Oh my God, you got to be kidding me. Nope. You got to be kidding me. Nope. Don't tell me nope. <laughs> Rogers is going to freaking miss on the whole season. I mean, I shouldn't be laughing because that's not good for the Packers. What the? Oh, this is twelve sixty-five fan. I hope I hope he plays this season. He's criminy. Oh, okay, bye. I'm actually glad you started with that. Um, Rogers was on McAfee. I didn't see it, or he talked to McAfee. I don't know if that was was that Tuesday. It's Friday already. I I I don't know. I'm just now seeing clips pop up. I got to go back and watch it. Anyways, I saw him making proclamations about don't doubt my abilities and all this stuff and like I'm going to come back stronger than ever. And I didn't think too much of it other than to say, wow, good for him. He's, he's like motivated. He's, he's not deterred. He's 100% coming back next year. Like, wow, that's crazy. And then somebody else posted something to the effect of Aaron Rodgers has intimated that he'll be back this year. And I thought, oh, is that what he meant? Because he was kind of going on a thing about, like, I know there's supposedly these timelines or whatever, but well, I took that as, I mean, he even said, because of my age. So maybe this person is off the rails, by the way. I have no idea. person that said it, not Rogers. But I, I just assumed he meant, you know, some people are saying, because of my age, I'm not going to be able to make it back for next year, maybe at all, whatever, but I'm, I'm going to prove some people wrong. Um, but he, he did he did kind of talk something to the effect of just because it hasn't been done in the past doesn't mean it can't be done. Uh, either everybody 
was in on the joke except me, and this is the way it is, or at least some people are interpreting that as he believes he can come back this year. Now, I'm guessing that this person is just completely wrong and misinterpreted Aaron Rodgers because, I mean, forget the age. I mean, again, the age doesn't even matter. My understanding is this is like a 12-month recovery. And so what would make sense is he's saying, look, I, it's typically 9 to 12 months. You figure because of my age, some people think it, it's, it's maybe never possibly like 18 or something to that effect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove you wrong. I'll be back by training camp next year or something to that effect. That's what I heard him saying. The, the, if he actually is saying that he's going to do something special and be able to return this year on a 12-month recovery, he's going to be back in, what, two months, three months? I mean, four months, the season's over. I mean, I suppose you could say we're in the playoffs and I'm, I'm going to come back and play for the playoffs, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Not, now, now I 100% have to go back and listen to see if he said something else that made it seem like he actually believes that because that's going to be freaking crazy. Not, not if he comes back. That's not going to happen. It's, it's going to be crazy if he actually believes that he's going to do something to be back this year and then how that's going to play out when he absolutely is not back. But until I get anything definitive saying that that's what he actually meant, I'm going to assume he meant I'll be back next year. Either way, to get back to your original call, yes, he is done for the year. I just it'll it'll be very interesting if uh if he believes he can be back sooner, but uh we'll see. Um Jersey Mike, I'm skipping your call because you're I mean, we're 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 still on Monday's calls and so uh Jersey Mike was speculating as to what the call or the the injury might have been. Hey, what's up, Ryan? What's up, Ryan Santos? Long time no call in, man. Hey, um, yeah, just got done watching the game. Uh, just really two thoughts. Uh, and about the game, I mean the Monday night game. I know we'll be calling in about Rogers, but just really two thoughts. One, Bill suck. My <laughs> goodness, that was just my gosh. I mean, granted, the Jets defense is good. They're good. But that performance, I mean, it's trash. I think you caught it. I'm pretty sure it was you. You've been saying that the Bills are on the way down for quite a while now, and good Lord. Uh, they're not at rock bottom, but they're definitely flirting with it. And two. The problem with the Bills is the same problem I have with the Chiefs. They're a good football team, but I can't explain why. I mean, you watch the Jets' defense dominate, and it's like, well, duh. Because you look at the pieces, and you, it's, you look at the Bills' roster. They've got pieces, don't get me wrong, just like the Chiefs have pieces, but that's the thing. It's just a collection of a handful of pieces, and then everything else kind of sucks. And as far as the Chiefs are concerned, like apparently they can lose one of their guys. But if you lose, I mean, they've got two offensive pieces and one defensive piece, and that's basically it. The Bills, I can't exactly remember. They lost Von Miller. That was devastating. Um, they've, they've, I mean, they, they got some pieces on D. They got pass rushers still, but... It's just, it's just feels so paper thin. Like if Stefan Diggs weren't playing, I would really struggle. I mean, they can win, but I'm I'm just going to struggle with that. And so I watch them play like that, and I'm sure they're going to bounce back. They'll they'll hang 40 on somebody this week or next week or something. But uh it just it just doesn't feel good. You know, they they need to really fortify that a little bit. Kind of like I in in my opinion like the Packers have done. You know, the defensive line was like, well, you got like a pass rusher and a defensive tackle, but it's so thin outside of that. Now, I mean, we'll see how some of these guys pan out, but it's like we've added a bunch of defensive tackles and we have just completely jam-packed this edge rush room and it's just a different deal. It's same with the Eagles. 
The reason the Eagles are so dominant as opposed to every other unit that has like a guy is because they have like seven. They have like seven defensive linemen. So I don't know. We'll see. I, 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 uh, I root for the Bills on some level because I, I feel like they deserve it and um, I don't have a reason to hate them yet. So um, yeah, I, I, I hope generally that they do well as, as long as they don't interfere with anything we're doing. But I just, I just don't really buy it. But again, I've been saying that about the Chiefs, and they're the ones that keep winning the Super Bowl every time. Rogers, man, I think that uh, I'm going to assume that a lot of people are going to call in and be mad about the 65%. Or they're going to call in and maybe even poke fun at them. But to those people, I would just say don't. I mean, at the end of the day, Rogers is not a bad guy. You know he didn't want this. Hell, I didn't want it for him. I wanted him to play. And it's not even about the 65%. Yeah. I'm being selfish. I wanted him to play and do poorly, <laughs> right. you know, so he could look back <laughs> on his decisions about how he left the Packers and how he treated this team in, his per- uh, in the, the Packers front office the last few years. But uh, at the end of the day, man, this is a human being, a competitor, you know, a world-class athlete, a Hall of Famer, and he potentially suffered an Achilles tear. So... Um, yeah, you know, if you're going to call in and bash that man, I highly advise you just not to do that. Give your thoughts, but show some respect, you know, be tactful. All right, Ryan, that's all I got. Yeah, and I think that's the perfect way to say it, because I, I, you and I are on the same wavelength here. I, I was not rooting for the Jets, partially because of the pick and partially because I, I don't think, I, I'm not a fan of the way he left. I'm just not. I mean, it is what it is. You fall out of love, whatever, but what you fell out of love with is the team that I root for. And, you know, it it ended on somewhat messy terms, and, you know, I'm going to fall on the side of my team. It's the way it goes. It's nothing personal. I don't hate him as a person. But on a football level, you're one of them now. You're not one of us. But yeah, this just, this goes outside of that. We're not talking football anymore. And it it does feel like a horrible way to go out. And, And I'm glad he made the statement that he made, which, again, I'm assuming means next year. Um, although I do kind of cringe on some level, maybe I shouldn't count them out, but I, I cringe to some level because I just think, I don't know, man. I mean, again, it was just a handful of plays, but I was watching that game unravel and I was just sitting here thinking, this is going to be a disaster. Watching Aaron Rodgers play behind that terrible offensive line for those handful of plays, I, I'm just like, there, there's no chance. At, I, I was really worried about the 65% for sure, but aside from that, I was not worried about them going to the playoffs. I just, I just... I saw that and I was like, this is going to be a disaster. He was pressured on like 100% of his dropbacks. I mean, it was it was horrific. He saw more pressures in his like three passing snaps than Jordan Love saw the entire game. And then you figure, you know, he's a year older. This Achilles thing is, it's, I just, I just, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, you don't want him to go out the way that he went out or, you know, as a result of what happened this season. But you also never like to see guys like that go out just looking bad. Just playing like garbage, you know, like, oh, come on, man. I mean, I mean, even guys that aren't Aaron Rodgers and, and his caliber necessarily, you look at guys like Matt Ryan, what a freaking horrible, horrible display. Like, that was just putrid, man. I mean, he, he was a premier quarterback for a long time. Like, he was never on Aaron Rodgers' level, but he was always that second-tier guy. He was a top-tier quarterback. And I don't know, I don't know. I, I just, I don't have a lot of confidence. I mean, I didn't have a lot of confidence this year going into it. It's possible he comes back and he's just ready to rock and roll. But you got to remember, we're talking 2024. The last time this guy played football and was good at it was 2021. And then he had two years 
full of injuries and is still going to be behind a bit. I mean, I, I don't care what they think they can do. They are not going to fix this offensive line in a year. That's not going to happen. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, again, I'm, I'm conflicted on what would be best. You hate to see him go out this way, but I, I think it might be worse if, you know, it was injury and then build up again, like, oh man, this is the, the comeback tour, comeback player of the year, and he just looks old and, and not good. And you realize he should have hung it up after 2021, which by the way, was a drop off from 2020. Like 2020 was his peak. 2021 was a big drop off. 2022 was a big drop off from 2021. 2023 started off horribly and then he got hurt. Just to put things in order, I'm just saying I don't know if there is a happy ending to this. Just flat out. Hey, Ryan, it's Jersey Mike. Hey. Uh, I just, I, I know I, I called it a few times about Roger's injury and I was laughing and it was just, it was a sobering moment for me. Um, I just, I, I want to say something. I'm not happy it happened. Um, I want to make that clear. But at the same time, I, you know, it's just it's one of those things. Like, it, it was it was just bound to happen. Uh, it, I, don't, I don't think Rodgers can come back from this, um, especially not to that team with that line in front of him. But, like, at the same time, you know, I just, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm really annoyed. This this guy, you know, you you guys have heard me over the past what years who get get so freaking fed up with with Rogers and all his shenanigans. You know, this is this is kind of karma coming and biting him in the ass. Uh, sorry, uh, it's deserved. It really is. He had a really good thing in Green Bay. Um. And he, he squandered it. He wanted money. He wanted to be greedy. He wanted to be a jerk to all of the players around him, expecting him to get on his level. Um, he, he didn't, he didn't appreciate the management. He didn't appreciate the level of work that went into the team. Um, he, he was a diva. So, yeah, after all of those things, you know, he finally found out what it's like to go to a team run by a bunch of morons. You know, you, you get what you get, dude. So if, if anybody's going to, if anybody's saying, you know, yeah, you, you, you should, you should rot in, in, in hell or whatever for anybody who's happy about this. I'm, again, I'm not happy, but, for those people out there saying this, this is this is what he deserves. He he wanted this. He absolutely wanted this. And sometimes we don't understand the consequences of our actions. Sometimes we we get caught up in our heads and we think we're all something special when we're not. And and it and it rears its ugly head in ways that we do not understand. We. We think we're larger than life, and life has a way of humbling us real quick. And Rogers may be finally able to learn that lesson. You know, um, yeah. That was the three minutes. I'm going to try to file down that sharp point a little bit and take a little bit off. 
and put words in your mouth if you don't mind. And you can call in and correct me if you want. I'm going to assume, maybe wrongly, that you didn't necessarily mean to say that because he was a little bit of a D-bag in Green Bay, he deserved to have his Achilles shredded. That's not what I think you meant. Because I certainly don't think that. Here's kind of how I'll, I guess, approach that. I, I mostly agree with the characterizations you laid out. We've talked about it. Right? I think he was a diva. I think he was spoiled. I don't like the attitude he had. I don't like how he carried himself. I don't like how he felt, felt he was bigger than everybody and better than everybody. Even if you are smarter than the head coach, there there is a, a sense of humility. And, and we saw it in the locker room and, and things as far as like it just it wasn't working. Right, People were not bought in. People said nice things, for sure. And he had friends there. But it's, it's not the kind of, it's not an optimal locker room environment. And I don't take his side on things. I don't think that he had a right to act the way that he acted and lash out the way he lashed out. And um, again, we don't need to relitigate the thing, but you know where I fall over this dispute over the last few years. Um, Now, do I think he deserved the injury? No. However, I'll say this. Does he deserve to win the Super Bowl? Absolutely not. No, he doesn't. I think that is a fair point to make. I don't think he... I mean, listen, I'm, I'm glad he found happiness, but I, I don't think it's a great, I hate to say precedent, because it's, it's not, I think about this from a parent standpoint, and I deal with this all the time, right? It, it's like when a if, a, if one of my kids wanted to, I'm trying to think of an example, I should be able to, because this is like a daily thing as a parent, but let's just say you have a teenager in your house, and let's say they're supposed to be up in the morning, and they choose not to, and they sleep in. Let's say they have chores and they choose not to do it. And let's say when they do grace you with their presence, they treat everybody poorly. They have an attitude and generally have a selfish demeanor that is um, essentially the only thing that matters is what I want in this moment. Now, they may make a very reasonable request, something along the lines of, I need shoes for this thing. Can you take me? As in like right now. Generally, there's nothing wrong with that. You need something I'm your transportation. If you're asking, and you're asking politely, and I'm able, I will take you. However, your behavior over the last 24 hours, or seven years, is unacceptable. And to not act the way you're supposed to act, and to act in a way that you're not supposed to, and then to just show up and expect to be given everything that you want, the answer to your question is going to be no. It might be unfair, it might be unreasonable, maybe this does need to happen, I don't know. But the bottom line is, you're not going to just show up and decide, I want something now. And the parallel here would be, Rogers acting a certain way that is really unacceptable for several years, and then decides on a whim, I'm just going to move out, to the parallel, I suppose, and then everything will be better, because I don't have to deal with you anymore. It's not really conducive to, boy oh boy, this guy really has earned it, he really has deserved it. I'm not, I'm not questioning his talent as a football player in the past, but this isn't exactly a feel-good story if this guy acts this way and then goes on to win a Super Bowl. It's the exact opposite of how that should go. And so, no, he shouldn't have been hurt. But should it have ended in miserable failure on the field? Yes. And you can go ahead and be happy in New York, and I hope you are. I hope you love your life there. I hope you get a, an apartment in Manhattan, enjoy the theater and the fine restaurants, and find a, a beautiful New York celebrity to start dating for a few weeks. And just live the life. But on the football field? No. No, I don't, I don't think that what follows from how you acted 
should be Super Bowl or massive success. I mean, it, it, it's 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 not as bad, but just as a sort of extreme parallel, it would be like if Antonio Brown treated the Steelers the way he treated them, and then went to Las Vegas and treated them the way he treated them, and then went somewhere else and went on to win a Super Bowl. Oh, wait, he did. Remember that? Did, did, did he deserve a Super Bowl, you think? Was that like a good story because he's talented? He's talented. Based on his talent, does he deserve a Super Bowl? Yeah, he deserves all the Super Bowls in the world. Antonio Brown is, a, is, is an unbelievable wide receiver. But does his, does, does his behavior warrant that? No. Based on the way he acted in the NFL, he deserved nothing but absolute failure. Do I want him to have a miserable injury? Not necessarily. But no, he didn't deserve a Super Bowl. And that shouldn't have happened. Anyways, please remember to check out OldSouthernBBQ.com. Use promo code PACKERNET15, that's capital P, capital N, PACKERNET15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Please remember to check out their amazing array of award-winning barbecue rubs and barbecue sauces. If you want to throw an amazing tailgate or a party at your house, remember to check out their uh, catering. Really would be a fantastic option. Or just stop into the restaurant. Either way, be sure to check them out, OldSouthernBBQ.com. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, Ryan. Steve up in Alaska. What's up? Been uh, sitting and, and thinking and doing some studying. It's really late. I don't have a, a hard day tomorrow, so I'm I'm kind of sitting up and doing some studying, you know, first week. I'm sure you've done the same thing where you're sitting. Um, something I'm seeing here, it, and, it, you know, I, I brought it up talking and calling in your show about the, the use of Aaron Jones. 
And I'd, I'd like to go into my thoughts about Aaron Jones and Aaron Jones' value to this team. I'm going to try to make it in the three minutes. I hope I can do it. I watched the team, and I watched this game. Now, we didn't have our deep threat, okay? But I watched the game, and I watched what Aaron Jones can do. And what I see Aaron Jones can do, and I'm going to use uh, an example from, from years in the past, Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas for the Buffalo Bills in the late 80s, early 90s, he was a multi-threat player. He was an excellent runner, and he was an excellent receiver. And I think Aaron Jones is a player in that type of model. And the reason I use that as a model is because Thurman Thomas's greatest value to the Buffalo Bills at that time is he forced teams to play up on the line which allowed the wide receivers and the deep threats less pressure and less coverage. You could cover them if you want, and you could say, oh, well, we'll see, uh, let Thurman Thomas have a couple yards here, a couple yards there, and we'll deal with that and make him go long down the field. But Thurman Thomas was able, much like Aaron Jones, to take a small little play, and once he got past the line of scrimmage and past the initial linebackers in the deep, or the, the the close to the line coverage, and he got into space. He had enough speed and agility to make other people miss and break huge gains. Now, what's more demoralizing? And I know, I know it's a big pass league and everybody thinks it's all huge pass plays and that big pass play is so demoralizing. But when you watch a guy take a, a two yard pass or take a handoff out of the backfield, and tear down the field for 60 or 70 yards. It, because it, he's got to go through everybody to do that. It's, it's so much more demoralizing. So it forces teams to have to honor that. And as soon as they start to honor that, it opens up the deep passes because now you have to move somebody up. I, I really think now that we, we, we really have an opportunity. We've seen it. We saw it in this game. I hope that hamstring doesn't become a huge problem for him. I hope it doesn't bust him up. Part two. I didn't make it, but I remember where I stopped because I got a good time in my head. (laughs) Kitchen timer, man. Here, a bunch of people say they can't get through and they don't know where they lost, but I know where I lost myself. So I hope the hamstring, as he was going down the field, that's where I just caught up. The hamstring doesn't become an issue because I think he's going to be hugely key to what we do because teams won't know how to defend us. You get Christian Watson and and, and all of our speed and our wide receivers and, 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 and tight end core tearing down the field, they're going to want to try to protect D. But if you protect D, Aaron Jones is going to eat teams up. He, he could literally get this season, if, if people just completely ignore him, he could break 2,000 yards total. He could probably be close to 2,500 yards total. I think, really, teams ignore him, and he stays healthy and strong through the whole season. I still think he's got to get between receiving and, and, and running. I think still he's got to get 20 yards or 20 touches. We've got to get him 20 touches combined. 25 would be, you know, that's, that's a hard use game, but 20 to 25 touches between the two, and, man, he's going to be the key. I really think he's the key player. So I'd like to hear what you think, Ryan. 
Sorry I ran long. Sorry I had to call a second time. But, you know, got a good idea, got a good thought. I've been sitting here watching all this stuff and listening to what people saying, man, I'm, I'm getting more and more excited about the Sierra. You know, talk to me week 10. If <laughs> week 10, maybe I'm talking about us being a real contender. Right now, hey, man, I think looking at this team and looking at our schedule, if, if we can stay together, stay healthy, and do what we got to do, we're definitely a playoff team. All right, go Pack Go. Take care, guys. We'll all talk to you later. Bye. Yeah, and I I think I talk about this a little bit tomorrow. A couple different things. Number one, it's not looking great for Aaron Jones. He didn't practice. Uh, you called in on Tuesday. He didn't practice Tuesday. He didn't practice Wednesday. Well, I don't know about Tuesday. He didn't practice Wednesday. He didn't practice Thursday. He didn't practice Friday. Um, I think he took, like, a step forward in terms of, like, he stretched on Friday, and that's, like, a, a thing. I don't know. I, I would say it's it's not super good odds, but hamstrings are weird. You never know. One one day they're just up. Oh, it's better, and then sometimes it's you think it's going to be he'll be back like with Aaron Jones. Looked like he was ready to come back into that game on Sunday, and suddenly on Friday he still can't practice. And sometimes it's weeks and weeks and weeks. So um, that would be number one. Number two, I would just say that I don't want to overestimate what we saw on last Sunday. Part of that is, um, you know, Jones has always been good, but I don't know that we've ever really seen him that good. And we shouldn't assume that that's how he's always been, and we shouldn't assume that's how it'll always be. It was just a game. Um, and so, yeah, I think he is a, a focal point, and I think we're better with him. But th- there's just such a contrast. I mean, first of all, he was so f- uh, as I already said, better than we've ever seen him, but also so much better than everybody else on the field. And the also the, the other stark contrast was how bad A.J. Dillon looked. And so I think it just built this picture in our mind of like, first of all, we can't win without him. And that's sort of the other point I wanted to bring up is, is that we need to be able to win without him. Not just because of an injury, but because we're not a very good team if, if we can't win without a running back. That sucks. But I, I just, you know, we, we've been down this road before. Some days, like, a guy, we, we had a game rookie year for A.J. Dillon against Tennessee. The guy looked like a stud, right? And then some games he doesn't. There are games that Aaron Jones just can't get going. There are games that we win because of Lazard or MVS or Devontae or Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs. We need to be able to still do that. So, you know, yeah, I mean, it's always been the case that as much as you can use Aaron Jones, probably the better. But I just don't want to overanalyze it to the point of saying that was the ultimate proof that we needed, that Jones is just this elite, like, just put the ball in his hands and he can just change the world. Because that's not going to happen every week. Especially since, I mean, honestly, the running wasn't overly amazing. It was a pretty standard day. It was really just two receptions that went, one of them because Matt LaFleur drew up a crazy play. The other one was just, well, again, Matt LaFleur and, and, and Jordan Love both being on the same page with a great play call. And Jones just, I mean, he just catch, just caught a pass and ran. I'm not trying to devalue Aaron Jones, but I, but I also just don't want to overhype the situation. Um, and then again, the, the, the final point is, it's not good if we become, we can only win with Jones and we can't lose with Jones, because of course we can. And if we have an over-reliance on him, we're just going to be bad. We need to be able to win with Christian Watson. We need to be able to win with Romeo Dobbs. We need to be able to win with A.J. Dillon, because sometimes Jones is going to get hurt. 
we need these guys to step up. We need Jordan to step up. You know, he did a decent job. He's going to need to be better sometimes. Sometimes we just need to, he's going to need to put this team on his back, you know, and kind of rise above this sort of game manager moniker that he probably currently has, which is, which is a great step. He went from complete bust to game manager after one week. But he was a guy that made the necessary throws. None of them, none of them were spectacular, right? PFF, zero big-time throws. Yes, he threw touchdown passes, but that's not necessarily a big-time throw. He's going to need to be that guy that looks like Superman sometimes. And, you know, other things aren't working. The run game's not working. People just aren't feeling it. You're going to have to do superhuman things. And that's, you know, I mean, we, we, we know Romeo can probably do that. He basically did it in this past game and was only overshadowed because of Romeo, uh, because of Aaron Jones. But the guy was on a pitch count and caught two touchdown passes. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we, we need that. We need Dobbs to step up. We need Christian to step up. We need everybody. And if we can have that, we can have a successful team. But yes, Aaron Jones is certainly one of the premier guys on our team. And I'm glad we have him. But this may need to be, I mean, already week two, we may need to learn to win without him and have guys rally without him. We'll see. Hey, Ryan. Daniel from California. What's up? I was just looking at PFF, and the website kind of sucks right now because they still have, when you put it against the entire league, each position, it's still set to 2022, so you got to individually, every time you switch to a different position, you got to go back to 2023. But if you look at offensive tackle, you got number two in the league right now, Zach Tom. Number six, David Bakhtiari. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to keep going down the list, but our team's <laughs> looking pretty good. you got a lot of guys up pretty high. Right. Romeo Dobbs, he's top 10 receiver, according to PSF. Let's see how long this lasts throughout an entire season, but feeling good. Go back, go. Yeah, and it's. I, I actually wanted to look at this just to be sure here. Um, I want to look at one thing real quick. PFF um, was, I saw talking to Andy Herman, talked to some talked about Jordan Love and, and his grade, and he did say that he was going to get, they were going to change his grade on one of the plays, which wouldn't massively change it, but I just wanted to look at it real quick. I don't even remember what his grade was, but it's out of 59.4. I feel like that's exactly what it was before, his passing grade. However, Jordan Love is officially above Justin Fields right now, um, overall, and is massively above Justin Fields as a passer. Jordan Love, 59.4 passing grade. Justin Fields, 49.4 passing grade. And even with his 82 rushing grade, Justin Fields is still below Jordan Love overall. 60.9 compared to 62.5. So that's another thing to keep in mind. They do go back and kind of recalibrate, especially like, you know, sometimes I I, I do remember, because of course they do actually make mistakes. I remember there was one time in particular Matt LaFleur um, addressed a play, I think a defensive play, basically saying no, Jair didn't blow that coverage. Somebody else did. And I, I badgered PFF like daily. Like I just sent I, every day. Like, look, they're, they're, the coach is telling you, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Change it. I don't think they ever did. But I think sometimes you get something that's public and they'll, they'll have some of the higher ups go back and reevaluate it and be like, yeah, we got to change that. It does happen. And in this case, it did. Um, they had some of the guys go back and look. And um, again, it was just one play. I think they actually downgraded Fields, though, if anything else. I don't think Fields had a 49 passing grade before. That's crazy. But yeah, I don't. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's almost a dead average, and maybe it was a lot lower passing grade. Fifty nine point four is almost exactly average. Um, his overall grade ranks eighteenth, which isn't great, certainly not. But um, you know, there are some things to like. He's uh, as far as yards, he's eighth 
in terms of uh, touchdowns. He's second behind only Cousins, who's played two games, so, you know, kind of number one, and also is the only one with more than two touchdowns that has no interceptions. In fact, he's one of only one, two, three, four quarterbacks that has more than one with no interceptions. It's Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Brock Purdy, and Jordan Love, and again, the other three only have two. But again, big-time throws, he has zero. Um, Turnover-worthy play percentage, he ranks 17th. Adjusted completion percentage, he ranks 30th, which is, that's, I mean, that's the biggest issue. As much as everybody's mad about PFF, he was one of the more inaccurate quarterbacks in the NFL this week. That's going to hurt your PFF grade. I'm sorry. Not everything is yards and touchdowns. It was Ryan Tannehill, then Joe Burrow, then Jordan Love. Three most inaccurate quarterbacks. Now, the good news here, he's sandwiched in between Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes. <laughs> so, not the worst company in the world. He just needs to bounce back the way I'm sure those two will bounce back. But anyways, uh, all that aside, yes, I, there was a lot of good from uh, PFF. Uh, offensive tackles in particular, love to see that. But um, as many people have pointed out, it's the Bears. We know they don't have a pass rush, and so we will be tested as the season goes on. This week, another team that really has no edge rushers, but they do have defensive tackles, so the interior is going to have a little bit as far as their hands being full. So, fingers crossed they can pull it off. Hey, Ryan. This is Aaron. Um, hey. Not urine, as your transcript says. <laughs> um, or, or, although I have been called that in elementary school because ah. of kids. Sorry if um, I opened wounds. Because that's my name, but that's, uh, it, was, it always made me laugh. Anyways, um... <laughs> Always I wasn't going to call because I've called a lot recently, but um, Aaron Rodgers just essentially ended his career, and that sucks for a lot of reasons, but it's just like, more, most importantly, it's really, really hard to see a guy who has been a Green Bay Packer, who's been one of the greatest to ever play, if not the greatest to ever play go down like that he's a first ballot hall of Famer, no matter what no matter when he retires he's gonna have to get a gold jacket in five years but to see him go down the first drive with a new team i think that is like honestly possibly the worst case scenario for him like you can't like and him being 40 years old, I don't – You, how do you come back from an Achilles tear at 40 years old? I don't see it happening, especially when you play the quarterback position and you've already been contemplating retirement, and I just feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. So it's just like I don't understand why people are worrying about their fantasy. Like, yeah, it sucks for your fantasy, but it, the dude – one of the greatest ever play, the people that you, someone you have the honor of watching play for the past 15 years at such a high level just went down for possibly the end of his career. And there's people worried about their fantasy. It's just like ridiculous. Anyways, all I got to say is thank you to Aaron Rodgers and everything he's done. I wish him the best in its recovery, but take a rest and go get that gold jacket, dude. You deserve everything, but you deserve so much more than to go down with an Achilles tear to end your career on the first drive with the Jets. Um, but anyways, 
see you later. Well, not see you later. I've not, I got I, it. Well, no. I don't know if I'll ever see yeah, you. Yeah, we'll got life. it. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> but if it is, I'll be wearing a Thomas Austin shirt. Um, bye. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, according to him, he'll be he'll be right back in it, and I I don't necessarily doubt that uh, at this point, anyways. I mean, I did, um, but I mean, he he's already talked about. It. He's like, yeah, I'm 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 freaking we're we're going right now, like as fast as we possibly can, and working as hard as we can. So I and I and I think that's again, I think that's great. I think I said that, or I thought it to myself. I'm not sure. Um, just from a mentality standpoint, because like I said, part of it is just. You know, at some point you look at it and it's like, dude, screw this. Like, this is BS, man. I worked so hard. I put everything I had into this. I was so excited and it just gets taken away from me just like that. But he, I mean, maybe he had a, he gave himself a few minutes of that, but, um, he even said, like, I was in the locker room. I texted, uh, the doctors, like, how soon can we do this? Like this guy just didn't miss a beat. So 10 out of 10 for his mentality. That's for sure. Cause I would have been pouting a hundred percent. Um, and yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think that's not how it should have gone. But, I mean, again, it, it, it sounds like the attempt will be for Rodgers to come back next year. And, and listen, here's something else. The Jets cannot financially handle Rodgers retiring. And I don't think Rodgers, I don't think he wants to leave. I don't think he wants to retire. Even if he wants to retire, I don't think he wants to stick it to the Jets. And I mean, he, he doesn't want to go out that way. So I really think worst case scenario, he comes back and isn't able to play week one, but he's still going to be the quarterback. He's still going to be rehabbing. He's going to try to come back at some point. And who knows, maybe, maybe, oh man, that would be super crazy. I was thinking maybe they draft a quarterback. That quarterback starts the season. When Rodgers gets healthy, they they put Rodgers back in. But <laughs> think about the drama that would ensue. All right, let, let's let's play this out for a second. Let, let's get dramatic because, I mean, I know this isn't your question, but since I've, we've talked about it 700 times, let's get weird with it. So let's say the Jets are god-awful. I know they're 1-0. Great. The uh, Bears started 1-0 too. And they're in striking distance of a quarterback. I think common sense would say, although we don't really want to tick off Aaron Rodgers, we should probably do this. And, and then I think the sales pitch to Rodgers would very simply be, look, this is a Jordan Love situation. We're gonna we're gonna plan to sit him for three years and let him take over after you decide to retire. Could be two years if you decide to retire, you know, after this year or whatever, or in two years, I, whatever. Point is, it's entirely up to you. You don't need to worry about it. Rogers probably gonna be pretty ticked off about it because he wants offensive line and you've betrayed me and the whole nine yards. But that that's not the point. We already I already mentioned that scenario, which is dramatic and interesting enough. Here's the crazy part: the plan is. Rodgers will be the starting quarterback of the New York Jets week one. This guy sits and learns behind Rodgers, and we're going to have a Hall of Fame quarterback sometime. You know, we're going to have Rodgers, who's going to be this great Hall of Famer, and then that's going to be followed by Drake May, the next great Jets Hall of Famer, whatever. But then Rodgers isn't healthy in time. So what do you have to do? You got to start the rook. What if the rookie's really good? What if they start 4-0 and and the look, rookie's looking really promising? Are you going to bench him for Rodgers? I mean, you probably have to. But as an organization, couldn't you see being like, look, this whole thing was about trying to get a good quarterback. And we got a good quarterback here. Like, I I mean, I, I, I hate to burn a bridge here, but I mean, we don't really need the guy. Or what if, let's take it one step further. You do decide to play Rodgers, because you probably will have to, because if you super tick him off and he decides to retire, he's going to stick you with a heck of a bill. 
that you can't afford. Um, and so you put in Rodgers. And let's say you lose and you go from 4-0 to 4-1. and And you start to hear rumblings about, look, this dude's old. He's freaking washed. He's broke down. You probably rushed him back too soon. He hasn't practiced all offseason because he's been rehabbing. He's injured. He hasn't been able to practice all offseason. He's rusty. He can't play. Put in the kid. Then they let Rodgers go back out again, and they lose again. What in the world do you do then? And you can sit there and say, well, that's stupid. They just wouldn't draft a quarterback if you want. But that would be the most idiotic thing in the entire world. If you have a quarterback that you genuinely believe is the guy sitting right there, this guy could be your franchise quarterback for the next 15 years. Are you seriously telling me you're going to pass on him? Let's just say it's Caleb Williams. It probably won't be. I don't think they'll get the number one pick. But let's just say for for fun it is. Zach Wilson is that bad. That despite the defense, despite Garrett Wilson, you still get the number one pick. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but if you're willing to look me in the eyes and tell me you would not draft Caleb Williams because Aaron Rodgers, who you don't even know if he can come back and play healthy, you don't even know 100% that he's going to want to come back and play healthy, and if he does, you don't know if he can play well anymore, and if he does come back, and if he does play well, you don't know if it's for more than a year, and you're going to pass on Caleb Williams, who's sitting right there. You're either a liar, or, I mean, listen... You never, ever, ever should come anywhere near a franchise. Because drafting Caleb Williams is the easiest decision in the history of the universe. And so now there are three very good reasons I am desperate for the Jets to have the number one pick. Our second round pick would be number one. Blocking teams like the Bears from getting the number one pick would be number two. And number three, the absolute chaos and drama of the century that would ensue when a fired up motivated and hard-working Aaron Rodgers battling his way back from injury sees the team that traded for him draft a quarterback instead of anybody that would help him win for the second time. <laughs> Don't think we've taken a break, a second break yet. Let's take our break. We'll be right back. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? Good. How are you? Goose here. Good. I'm just wondering okay. if we should start to uh, be worried about A.J. Dillon or if we're looking eh. at maybe he won't be back next year. Maybe. We're just going to ride out his rookie contract and let him go. I mean, by all of the advanced stats, he's a very good running back. 2020, he was a really good run grade, 80. 2021, he was basically a 90. 2022, he was basically a 90 with an 88.1. But it seems like every time we watch him play, he is constantly stuffed in the backfield. And he seems to be our only running back where that just repeatedly keeps happening. Now, I know it's a little unfair to compare him against Aaron Jones, because that guy is just a once-in-a-lifetime running back. You don't see players like him. So maybe it's a little bit of the Green Bay spoiled problem. We have this great guy, and I'm comparing him to them. But I have been, ever since the podcast after the draft, where you put forth the vision of what A.J. Dillon could be, I have been the biggest Quadzilla fan. Well, I 
I just, what are you seeing? Are, do you think, is it A.J. Dillon's fault he's constantly getting stuffed behind the line? Or is it our line? Is it other teams just teeing off on A.J. Dillon because they just know what's going to happen when he is in the game? I don't, it's so frustrating. And I love the guy. Like, when he runs hard and he runs over a 300-pound lineman, I get so excited I could run through a brick wall. But, man, I will admit it was frustrating watching him against the Bears. I uh, did not enjoy that one bit. And I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Go Pack Go. couple different things. Number one, I absolutely am going to go watch uh, A.J. Dillon. I've been, I, I did go back and watch uh, not the whole game, but I started watching, and my eyes were just all over the place. I, I didn't have a clear idea of what I wanted to do. Now I know what I want to do, because this is one of the... The big question marks is A.J. Dillon, and I love watching like linebackers, defensive line, offensive line, running back. Like that that cluster, you could call it, is what I enjoy watching the most. I think partially because it's intuitive, right? I, I you know, I, I don't know a lot of uh schematic things in the passing game that can be a little bit more complicated, especially since like I don't know what you were supposed to do, but the, the run game is very intuitive. You can see what they're at least trying to do. Sometimes you can't, but it's just a friggin' cluster. It's a disaster. So I, I want to go do that. Number two, I do understand the frustration. Uh, I think last year, despite the grade, when I did watch him, I was frustrated primarily with his inability to trust his blockers. That was, for me, the biggest issue. Aaron Jones trusts his blockers, and so he will run where there's not a hole knowing that a hole is about to open. That's Here's the other thought I had when I was watching... Um, actually, I think it was Jake... Uh, Jake Shavink's breakdown of Bijan kind of had an epiphany. We talk about running back vision, but it's it's I, I almost think that's somewhat of a mis- misnomer because it's more of a spidey sense. It's more of like an intuition or being able to see into the future. You're seeing or sensing something that isn't there but is about to become there. Right? Spidey sense was what he he gets this tingling sensation. Something's about to happen. Somebody's throwing a car at him, and so he he senses something and then he jumps out of the way just in time. Aaron Jones's vision. Spidey sense is the ability to, to to sort of see the entire environment as it is. There's no hole here, but I can see my offensive line. I can see where he's pushing this guy, and I know if I run right at his left shoulder, by the time I get there, he'll be passed, and I'll slip right through that hole. And it's open just as he gets to the hole, and it closes just as he gets through it. It's it's a special ability. Dylan will look at that same situation, and he'll see there's no opening there. And rather than see the environment and say there's about to be a hole there, he'll notice off to his right is a gigantic hole. And he'll try to turn and run that way. The problem is, there's no blocking over there. And because the NFL is so fast, the safeties, the linebackers, the defensive tackles, everybody closes instantly. So what was a hole closes and there's basically no gain. So Jones runs where there is no hole because he preemptively sees that there will be one and he runs through it. Dylan sees where there is one, but as soon as he runs there, there isn't one. That was my issue with him last year. I will acknowledge the frustration. I will acknowledge that we have not seen the 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 flashes. We have not seen that sort of premier number one guy. And, and I think part of me, the other sort of epiphany I had prior to that was, I feel like perhaps Dylan is, and, and I would love to know what, what is behind some of these grades, because if the grades are actually trying to tell us something, talking about his 89.7 rushing grade in 2021, his 88.1 rushing grade in 2022, if there is something behind that, then we don't need anything else. We're fine. He is the guy. But it does sort of feel like at this point, he's always just going to be a number two. And and part of, you know, I looked at, I made the comments about Josh Myers, where it's like, look, I've defended the guy, but 
come on, man, we could do better than this. Like, I, I, we, we don't need to settle. If this is what you're going to be, if this is all it is, then we need to take another swing. And we need to see if we can upgrade this. Because, you know, I, I just, I'm not, I want to be a freaking powerhouse, not just a decent team. And you look at, I, I don't want to overplay the hand, but how semi-easy it is to find running backs. I mean, there's a lot of good running backs in every single class. If you draft one in the first round, it's a freaking home run. If you draft him in the second round, he's probably going to be solid. But even third round, fourth round, fifth round, I mean, there's so many talented running backs in the draft. It seems impossible that we wouldn't be able to find somebody at least at the level that what A.J. Dillon has provided us. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that definitively, but, but I just feel like, although it's entirely possible we're missing a bigger picture thing here because the grades would suggest we are, he's a, a complete anomaly. Generally, when somebody grades out this well, you can see it. None of us have seen it. Right? 828 yards and six touchdowns and two fumbles was his 90 PFF grade. 4.3 yards per attempt. There's nothing special about that. Now, maybe he was up against loaded boxes just about every time. I don't know. But then you look at, you know, he's got like drop passes and all that. I d- I, I'll put it this way. He needs to... I shouldn't say he needs to, because he, he doesn't. Maybe it's possible that these things are there and, and, and we're just not able to see it and it's not up to him proving anything to me. But in order for me to get fully behind A.J. Dillon, I do need to see something. You know, I, I don't need some scientific theorem to explain to me why A.J. Dillon is special. And I feel like that's that's sort of a defining factor of special players, is you don't need a freaking rocket scientist to explain why they're special. And with Dillon, you almost kind of do. Like, I, I want to have somebody from PFF on the show just so they can explain, like, tell me why he's elite, because I have no idea. Here's the final thing I'll say, and it's in defense of A.J. Dillon, and it's very similar to what I said about Aaron Jones. We are allowing week one overreactions to dictate our feelings. We're looking at week one and saying, see, this is what's wrong with A.J. Dillon. Bullcrap. He had a 57 running grade in this game. Not a 90. He had 1.5 yards per attempt, 55 overall grade, and a 57.5 rushing grade. So we can't sit here and pretend, like, see, this is the problem with A.J. Dillon, and this is why I don't like him. No, you can't use this as an example. This is a horrible, horrible example of what A.J. Dillon provides to this team. What we need to do is find games that are more indicative of what he does, and then look at that and try to determine what it is that that we do or don't like. Because the fact of the matter is, he didn't have a single game last year that was this bad. Not one. And yes, to answer your other question, the offensive line is that bad. They sucked in this game, and that is part of the problem. Um, so it's it's kind of all the things at once. We cannot use that performance as a sort of uh, definitional game of what A.J. Dillon is. That's number one. Yes, the offensive line is part of the problem. They were horrific, especially Josh Myers, but the entire interior offensive line in particular, run blocking, which has always been an issue, which is a slightly annoying, major problem. But I also do agree, I, I, I genuinely think Dillon needs to be better than what he is before we decide, nah, we don't need anybody else. He can be our number one. Because... My my true feelings right now, he's a solid number two. And 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 honestly, if we go back and look at 2022, he had an 88 rushing grade, right? Which is fantastic. His highest grade was an 82. The reason he had an 88 is because he's wildly consistent and doesn't have bad games. His worst game was a 59 rushing grade. And so again, what I've said about PFF is they're, they're about consistency. And when you are consistently good, your grade goes up, 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 up. His highest graded game was an 82. His overall was an 88. So his really high grade really had less to do with he's an elite runner and more to do with he is a very consistently good runner. 
but he started off this year with, let's see, when was the last time he, what was his grade? A 57 rushing grade? Last time he had a 57 rushing grade. Um, week 7 against Washington, he had a 30 rushing grade. That was the only game in 2021 that was this bad. And then um, divisional playoffs against L.A. in uh, 2020, 45. So he's, this is his third worst game ever, according to PFF, as a rusher. Not a great start for a guy that certainly is under the microscope of we need to see better, and I think we do. Very long-winded, but those are sort of all my thoughts unpacked on A.J. Dillon, I guess. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Joe, the janitor. Sup, player? Connecticut. Um, so another, you know, another good day, man. Feeling good still for that that, that uh, victory, you know. Yes, yeah, so. Over the Bears especially, uh, the W. Oh, man, today I found out some news. It's um, good news for me. Um, so a guy that I work with who uh, claims to be a Texans fan, you know, talked about the Texans, follows the Texans. I heard that um, he actually switched from the Texans from a Chicago Bears fan. So his entire childhood, told you, he grew up. Chicago Bears fan. I told you. Love the Chicago Bears. Brian Erlach. What is the definition of a Bears fan? What have I told you? Definition of a Chicago Bears fan is a person who hates the Green Bay Packers, whose second favorite team is the Chicago Bears. You're his favorite player. And then um, I'm pretty sure right around, I don't know for a fact when he switched to the Texans, but if I had to guess, I'd probably say when uh, right around the time that Deshaun Watson became good. Uh, the Bears were always trash, so he's probably like, yeah, I'm going to switch over to Texas. So now I got some pretty good ammo for that. I like I like it because I could dig it in. Not only <laughs> not only uh, did you switch teams, but you used to be a Bears fan. Oh, man, so sad. So that means it's probably his second favorite team. Yep. Anyway, I thought that was funny, and I figured I'd share it. Um, but one thing that's not funny and um, I don't think it should be tolerated at all. Is Packers fans that are happy about that are that are uh, posting that they're happy about Aaron Rodgers being hurt. Not only not not not, not that Aaron Rodgers is hurt, he's out for the season. Like honestly, I'm devastated. I'm, I feel so bad. Not only for Rodgers, it'll put all the aside. Not only for Rodgers, like as a human. But, like, the Jets, what they put into it, like, I didn't get a chance to watch all the hard knocks, but, like, some of the, like, what they put into this season and, 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 and what the trajectory was supposed to be and four snaps into the game, this guy, I mean, I saw the video of his, of his, uh, his, of the tendon snapping, and it was rough. So, I am honestly, prayers to Rodgers, anyone that, um, has anything bad to say? You're 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 a piece of of a garbage, and um, if if you're happy that Rogers got hurt, you're just a, you're just a bad human being. And you know I'm not the best human being, but like that's some bad. Shit. All right, Joe's janitor. Just my two cents. Show him. Yeah, I think that is always and forever a pretty solid standard. Um, don't root for injuries. You know what I mean? Don't mock injuries. I mean, we 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 went through this calling. Vikings fans, the biggest pieces of garbage on planet Earth, when they gloated about Rodgers breaking his collarbone. We can't then turn around and start gloating about Rodgers 
snapping a Achilles tendon. And not just because we don't want to be hypocrites, but because that's freaking stupid. And yes, I, I, I'm telling you 100% that Texans fan is still a Bears fan. He's just hiding it. And as soon as the Bears do anything, as soon as the Bears go to the playoffs or Super Bowl, if he happens to be alive when that happens, or if any of us are alive at that point, freaking dinosaurs will cycled back through at that point. That's how it works. Shut up. You don't know. He will become a Bears fan in that moment. Guaranteed. That's how they all are. My buddy, the, the Broncos fan. Dude, when the Bears were on a run, oh, he was at the NFC North or the, the NFC uh, divisional game against the Packers and Bears. He was there in the stands. The supposed Broncos fan and his brother, the Bills fan. Yeah, okay. Ryan. Hey. Kyle from Madison. What's up? How are you, buddy? I hope you're doing well. Doing good. I'm um, looking forward to your making fun of the enemies segment maybe it's already aired i really enjoyed that i was trying to find the podcast i remember you had played a snippet from it i think the guy was a vikings fan but it wasn't necessarily a vikings <laughs> podcast but he was kind of explaining after a few preseason games like his hilariously enough that is on tomorrow's podcast that same podcast made a return i'm glad you remembered it hear about jordan love being competent i can't remember the guy's name i hope you find uh yep his current takes though because i, I I got thoroughly it. enjoyed uh, the impending fear of our rivals. Um, about Joe Barry, so a lot was made in the preseason about how he's going to sit in the box now. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, John Kuhn saying how he told him how excited he was to be able to, like, lay out all his papers and be organized and see the field. Sure. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean... Why wouldn't every defensive coordinator do that? Yeah. I don't understand it. I mean, you know, if you've ever gone to a game, even if you end up with, like, 50-yard line seats, but if they're, like, row eight or something, it, you, you can't really see, you know, your depth perception of what's happening and, and how far a run is. I mean, you can't even see. So I, I just don't understand why that isn't an obvious choice. I know there's the yay-raw, let's-go guys, you know, chewing out players element of it, but I think that's overrated. Uh, so, you know, early returns on Barry in the box are good. So yep. I guess he just needed to have his little binder open and have his post-it notes all spread out. And that was all that was missing. Oh, please, Lord, I hope that's all that was missing. <laughs> anyway, so as great, like I mentioned before, the, the Packers uh, revenge fantasy fan fiction that was the Bears game, it was the exact opposite for the Jets last night. Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't have written a more nightmare scenario. They would have thrown out the script. Um, it honestly made me a little sick. Um, I mean, the draft pick, you know, whatever. Yeah, first be nice. It's probably five to ten pick difference, really, if we're honest, after watching Wilson play. I know they won, but, man, Wilson's not it. And you know what? All I heard, all I heard from Jets fans was Joe Douglas. Oh, Joe Douglas. He's He's Gutekunst's daddy. Joe Douglas is, is basically sent from heaven to do no wrong. Except, as we know, Joe Douglas did jack you-know-what for that offensive line. He signed all these has-been players, half of Green Bay's older veterans, not one offensive lineman except Billy Turner. And we've all been yep. saying this would happen. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we got scolded by Jets fans. We all got scolded. 
you don't understand. Makai Becton is is a premier player. Like we we had, this offensive line is solidified. Billy Turner is just a backup, and he's a quality backup. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Like okay, okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. By the way, again, just another example of I'm I'm just some stupid, dumb, ignorant knuckle dragon caveman who looks at his little PFF grades as opposed to these. Real Jets fans who have watched every single game, they watch the tape, they know, they've done all the extensive work. Guess who was right? The guy over here who didn't watch a freaking snap of a Jets game. Anyways, I gotta go to bed. Thanks for hanging out. You guys have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.